This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Live from the Fireside app, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and as you probably already know, it's National Crouton Day. We appreciate you taking a pause from the Crouton Cheese Fountain to join us for our roundtable discussion. Today, in headlines, we discuss how to combat inflation. At the roundtable, we welcome today's guest from Marriage, Kids, and Money, Andy Hill. My God, again? Jeez, I thought I was the guy they couldn't get rid of. And from Afford Anything, it's the queen of the salad bar, Paula Pant. Also with us is leftover bread in human form, OG. And now, a guy who's the crisp fried bread on the wilted bed of your otherwise tasteless day, it's Joe Saul Seahide. And a happy Friday to you, stackers. I am Joe Saul Seahai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And you know what? I'm hanging out here at the Marriage, Kids, and Money headquarters with my friend Andy Hill as we're about to make some new friends here in the D and talk to some old friends. It's snowing out in Detroit. What the hell's going on, Andy Hill? I, I have no response. Why, I'm why, sorry. Why is it snowing? <laughs> No, I know why this is, this I moved. This is the sneaky spring we get, my friend. I know why I moved to Texas. <laughs> what the heck's going on there? Yes, Andy Hill here from Marriage, Kids, and Money. We we had, well, I didn't have a salad. You had a salad. We had a great lunch together today. And um, yeah, no wilted lettuce there. But did you have croutons? Did you have, I, there, I'm you trying to think of some sort of bread that we could fit into Doug's uh, uh, montage there. But uh, I, don't, I think we were breadless. <laughs> I think we were breadless. That's, that's not good. And the gentleman who's normally across the card table from me, Keep in the basement, minions happy. It's Mr. OG. What's happening? You're happy for me either. Happy crouton. Also, I never eat croutons. You do, why? So gross. Oh, come on. How can you celebrate, you know, croutons that are dipped in Woodford? I heard is like your favorite snack. No, no I don't eat, I don't eat croutons. No. So gross. And, uh, uh, no stuffing. <laughs> stuffing is like soggy croutons, which is ugh, even worse. It's bizarre. Hey, let's stick it up a bird's butt, then let's eat it. it just exactly. <laughs> as long as you cook it exactly right, otherwise you'll have poisoning. <laughs> I don't know what could go wrong in this holiday. Nope, no risk there. I know somebody who's thinking her whole career went wrong because she's here with us. Paula Pant is here. You know, I uh, I am a fan of both croutons and stuffing, so I will speak out. Me too. Of, 
Oh, good. Excellent. I don't know what it says about me that I like both of those things, but yes. Uh, croutons with ranch dressing. Paula, is that the, is that so the magic? For me, it's croutons on a Caesar salad. Oh, gotcha. Yes. The, the simplicity of the Caesar salad. Croutons are fundamental. You know, Caesar salad, I was thinking, is, is that the only salad where you don't have to specify the dressing? Because it's, it's like no extra cost. The dressing comes with it. It's good marketing. Exactly. It totally I mean, is, I mean, isn't it? You know it? exactly what you're getting. It's simple. <laughs> it's predictable. Uh, it's delicious. That's what the creators of the Caesar salad were like. You know all that time people waste saying what dressing they want? I got a way to fix that herb. Three second savings. <laughs> That's right. We got it. All right. We're not going to be talking about that. We're talking about inflation. We got a great piece from uh, Jim Wang over at Apex Money. Actually, it's a compilation of three pieces that he put together, but it got me thinking about all the different ways that uh, we could make more money and how we're all fighting inflation. So we're going to do that today. But first, this segment is sponsored by Dell Technology Small Business Virtual Podference, which starts May 10th. Whether you're still working remotely or back together again, let Dell Technologies help safeguard your business with modern devices and Windows 11 Pro. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, we got Andy Hill here. We got OG. We got Doug. We got Paula. Let's get this party started. There's so many ways to make extra money, and I feel like we spend most of our time thinking about just how do I cut costs, right? And if things cost so much money, how do I cut costs? And you can cut your way to uh, making the budget matter, but I, I love that phrase, you can't shrink your way to greatness, and you're never going to shrink your way to greatness while inflation keeps going up and up and up. Even when it's not going up as high as it has lately, you still need to find ways to make more money. So today we're going to talk about that. Let's start off with talking about, well, at your full-time job. And uh, Andy, I'm going to start with you because you're the guy that has, for a long time, worked the nine to five. Did you ever have to go to your boss and ask, ask for raises? Yeah, you know, I did have to go ask because I found the longer I waited and just hoped for that money to come, they didn't give it to me. It what? Was really, it was really weird. I just would, I would work really hard. I would exceed expectations, but then the money wouldn't come. So no, I did. I had to, uh, I had to make those conversations happen. And a lot of the time when I came with a clear story about how I'd been contributing and set that meeting up and had that specific conversation about what I wanted, it came to fruition. So yeah, it works, man. Paula, you were at a newspaper for a little while before you went off on your own. Did you ever have to go ask for a raise? I did receive a raise once, but I actually, I didn't ask for it. It came hand in hand with a promotion. So they promoted my title and responsibilities and handed me a raise to go alongside that. You came, you became assistant to the assistant? 
<laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Move it on up the ladder. Oh, gee, I know you've worked for yourself forever, but have you had many, many times when employees of yours have said, hey, uh, boss, I need a raise? It just happened to me uh, recently, as a matter of fact, um, in a sneaky kind of, hey, I got another job and I'd really like to stay here kind of way. Oh. Um, which, you know, which was... Um, yeah, uh, kind of frustrating, but it all worked out. Can so we, okay. yeah, can we start there? Uh, I didn't intend to start there, but why don't we start there? Because okay. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm like you when you say sneaky. I think when you say I've got another job offer, I don't know. I kind of feel like you lose your mojo with the boss or you lose your, the boss doesn't believe you're still on the team. Did that kind of affect you as the boss when somebody said, uh, I need you to pony up. I, I wish that we would have had the conversation before it got that far. It, it felt a little funny, uh, having that conversation that late in the game, so to speak, almost like I'm a little cynical when it comes to this stuff like this. Cause you know, I've just experienced it a lot. So I kind of like you, Joe, just kind of know how these dominoes generally fall. And it was like, well, if I, make a counter offer is that just bolstering your position with this new job you know like oh actually i got a counter for my other job so can you guys raise it or you know what i mean it was a little weird and i would have preferred just to have a have, have it on the front end of it but well and but then also still also still how long until they're out the door anyway right because if they're asked for money is it really the money or they just don't like being there that i mean even if it is just the money i still as the boss i think they just don't like being on our team yeah. Yeah. It's all of those things were things that I've, I talked about, was concerned with and talked with the, talked to the employee about. And, and, uh, I have no other reason than to believe, uh, her exactly the way that she said, which was, it is about the money for me because of these other external circumstances. And, and also PS, that's kind of what the competitive market is now for this role. So I'd like to stay, but, but I also have to kind of think about myself when it comes to, you know, personal finance. So it doesn't give me a lot of, I don't get a lot of energy playing the like, well, probably full of crap game. You know, it's just a lot easier just to believe in what they say and let the chips fall where they will. So valuable member of our team was uh, not excited about the process that it kind of, it went down, but, but totally okay with the outcome. Yeah. So uh, Andy, you're nodding your head. You don't agree with uh, that leverage type of negotiation either? Well, I'm thinking back to the time when I approached my employer at the time when I did have another opportunity. It wasn't, hey, here's what I got from these guys. Are you going to counter? It was, I was on my way out the door. I had, I had made a transition period in my life and I said, I'm done with this place. I'm going to this new place. It wasn't leverage. It wasn't a, hey, what can, what can you do for me now? I had made that decision in my brain that I was on my way out and I was thank, very thankful for the seven years that I had at that place. I was just ready for something new. So I feel like at that point, if you're using it as leverage, you're, to your point, you're probably going to be gone within the yeah. next six months anyway. You or, wouldn't even wanted to stay then. No. You'd no, been it, like, it yes. wasn't a money thing at that yeah. point. It was something different. So, Paula, how about you? You on board with that? Don't use it as leverage? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it signals that you're on your way out the door one way or the other. Andy, what's your best tip then for going to your boss for a raise? I think you have to do it genuinely. I think you have to uh, set aside that time specifically. Let them know that you're serious. This isn't a a casual and passing thing. Make a specific meeting, you know, detail it out in a letter form or an email and, and really do the 
due diligence on your side about what contributions have you made to the team that has helped it excel and get to the place that you said you were going to do at the beginning of your job. So you're reminding, even though you know you do a great job every yeah. day, remind them why you've done such a great job and what what are the things that you've tangibly done to help improve. And at that point, if you've made your case and a fair you know, uh, request for a, a wage increase based on, you know, the, the market, then I would think that you'd have a really good chance of getting that, that raise. Uh, and if not, then maybe you need to evaluate what you need to be doing in the future too. Well, or at the least you open up a good, a good solid discussion, which is a great place to be in. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, Doug, I know that you've been involved in a lot of these, uh, raise negotiations in all yeah. the numerous jobs you've had before then any uh, tips for people out there seeking a raise? Yeah, I'd say Andy's probably on it, at least closest to my experience in how to go about it. But there have been a ton of studies that have shown that if by the time somebody comes to you to say, I've got this other job offer, even if, it, if they've, they're going to present it to you in writing and give you a chance to counter, mentally, they've already separated from your team. And you mentioned this as well, Joe. So that that break has already happened. And studies have shown that the vast majority of people who do that, who then get retained because their current employer matches or exceeds that offer, they're gone within about 14 months anyways, because they've already disassociated themselves emotionally yeah. or from the, the vesting that they've got in your team. So it's almost never productive for you as the employer to counter to try to keep somebody there much. I would say it's sort of the opposite effect of when Zappos, when they, I'm not sure if they're still doing this, but there was a famous thing they did maybe 10 years ago when they were onboarding people at the end of training, you had an option to sign a piece of paper and take $3,000 and walk out the door right now. I remember right that. Now. Yep. And we'll, we'll pay you to leave. We'll pay you three grand to leave. Doug, and, Doug, by the way, applied with them eight times. Just a, <laughs> it's a huge moneymaker. Best 24K ever. <laughs> but, uh, but that created, those people who stayed, it created that bond very quickly and their retention rates, you know, went through the roof there. Again, I don't know if they're still doing that, but there is that, it's that buy-in. They just accelerated the buy-in into the team and, and it worked. Um, so that's my thought on how do you react to that? If you're an employer or a leader, a manager of people, and, um, that gets presented to you, what should you do? Those are my thoughts on that. Um, and then in terms of what Andy said about how do you go about asking for that raise, um, you can sort of do a, a market research based approach and say, here's what my role in other places is paying. And, all of these accomplishments that I've done and demonstrated, you know, review the bullet point list, whatever, shows that I could take these accomplishments, they're, you know, they're already on my resume because I keep it updated and I can go shop myself, but I really want to stay here. And I don't know that it needs to be a big formal PowerPoint. That gets awkward. I've been on the receiving end of that. It feels weird when it's like that, um, just because I never had that kind of relationship with members on my team. So um, I wouldn't, uh, you but know, you, you mean a good relationship? That. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I had a more of a casual, good, I felt like a good relationship and, and it didn't require people to do that. But I did appreciate when they said, here's a reminder of all the things I've done. And I can, you know, I kind of looked around because I really need some more money. And here's, there's these other roles that are available in similar companies or, you know, similar roles. And 
I well, and also we have a shot at getting that. And also to your point, you know, the person they're talking to, if they're talking to you, you might not even be the final decision maker. Like you still have to take it in many cases. Oh, I, I know to your boss. Maker, well, of course you were. I didn't, I didn't mean to say you as in you. I didn't, I didn't mean you as the imperial you. <laughs> talking about that. I was talking about though, a lot of times the boss, if you're in a big company, especially you're just yeah, giving them sure. ammunition to yeah. use to use on somebody yeah. else. Well, and the other thing to be aware of is that, and, and most people are, is that in, in any, I'll say mid to larger size organization, there are pay bands that get very difficult to go outside of. So if you're already towards the upper end of your range allowable for your grade or your specific role, it then another way you can present that to your leader is to say, I realize I'm already towards the top end and it'd be very difficult to give me a raise to where I want to go. Here's some information on how we can work together to work with HR to justify moving me into the next pay band. Reclassification. Yeah, because then it's more like a team effort. You're like, hey, let's work together. I've done a lot of the legwork for you. I think I need to be an E4, you know, whatever the grade is. And, and, uh, that's another approach that feels a little bit less confrontational. Let's work together to make me more money. I was like yeah. that teamwork to make and me it'll more. Be fun. I'd, I'd want to go to Crouton Four, not E Four. C Four. C Four. Well, C Four might even be a whole different thing. Still, not 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 great there. Yeah, uh, Paul, anything to add to add to this discussion when you're talking to your boss about a race? I, I think the principle, like the ethos of let's be collaborative, let's work together. Let's uh, avoid anything that could be construed as confrontational or could be construed as on your way out the door. I think that generally is like those are good overarching principles. And OG, you got the last word on this conversation. Something people should either make sure they do or avoid when asking their boss for a raise. I, I think just being open and honest, I think is probably the easiest way to do it. And, and having uh, having some data, doing the research ahead of time. Uh, goes a long way because that's what I'm going to do anyway. If you, if you said, Hey, uh, you know, I'm paying you, you know, I'm making 70,000. I think that I should be making 80. It, it's just not a sensation, right? You have to like provide the support for it. So I'm going to look it up anyway. So if you did that legwork for me, I'm much more likely just to say, Oh, okay. You know, here. Is there anything specifically though, to avoid that we, I mean, we talked about one thing to avoid, I think avoid the leverage. I'm leaving, give me a raise or I'm, or, or I'm leaving, but, but I'm thinking specifically of don't make it about you, right? Like I, my grocery bill's getting high, so I need more money. I think there that's a path to nowhere. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Anything else there, Andy? No, I would agree. Like if, if with the conversation on inflation, just saying, well, I, I, I need to keep up with all these changes and having, having no correlation to how your performance has Does to do work? with that inflation or that increase, then yeah, I think that's a, a tough conversation to have. Coming up next in the second half of this discussion, we're going to chat about other ways to make money, your side hustle. And this group knows a lot about side hustles. Can't wait to talk more about that. But first, we've got our fantastic trivia challenge. This challenge has been going on all year long, peeps. And uh, man, is it uh, getting interesting. Let me see. What is our score right now? It is, uh, well, first of all, uh, you, Mr. Hill, are playing on behalf of Len Penzo today. So the Marriage, Kids, and Money team up with LenPenzo.com. And you want the good news or the bad news about how you're sitting this year? I'll start with the bad news, sir. The bad news is, is that you're going to have to guess first. Oh. 
But that's the good news. It's because you're in first. Oh, that's so great. you and Len have seven. OG has five and a half. And some way there was a miracle. And Paula pulled to within one of OG. <laughs> OG's got five and a half. Paula has four and a half points. So that's where we sit as we get into this. They are playing for maybe the world's worst looking trophy uh, this year. And supposedly a cake. But the dude that said something about the cake. Paula, what happened to the guy with the cake? Did you? I think he just flaked. I think he... <laughs> He no showed on the cake. He cake flaked. Cake flaked. Cake flaked. He, there, there's some other thing ghost there. Caked. He, ghost you got ghost cake. Yes, you got cupcake. I don't know. There's something. All right, Doug. Uh, let's hear what today's trivia question is all about. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Did you know you can just eat croutons? Like just by themselves. There doesn't even have to be a salad, and they're not just for breakfast anymore. Just throw a little mayo in the crouton bag, and boom! You got yourself an evening. Speaking of health food, McDonald's has been in the news a lot because they stopped selling salads at many locations. But according to the book, The Willpower Instinct, when McDonald's added healthier items to its menu, sales of Big Macs skyrocketed. Duh. That's because we overestimate our ability to make healthy choices when it comes to the moment to decide. With McDonald's, you get a lot of chances to choose. I mean, if it feels like there's one on every corner, you're pretty much right. There are nearly 40,000 McDonald's worldwide. So my question is, what is their annual global revenue? I'll be back with the answer after I have the side salad. No, wait, actually the bacon double cheeseburger. Yeah, I'm all about that. And I'm, 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 I'm. <laughs> there it is. Oh, well, uh, Andy, you are kicking us off on this one. Oh Annual global revenue for the McDonald's corporation. Oh my God. I have no idea. Um, We went to this really nice place downtown for lunch. Yeah. We could have gone to McDonald's. We should we we could have. That would have been good market research. I don't know. 100. Yeah, the word you almost said should that we should we should not no, have. Should not have. Should not have. I'll that just was, I'll just throw out 150 billion cuz I have no idea. 150 b- b- billion dollars. Doug wins the contest saying that Andy was going first and was definitely going to go for the billions. <laughs> so, nice job in the writing meeting of this episode. Doug's like, "I think Andy's going to say billions." B- 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 billions. Yep. So there we go. <laughs> All right, OG, you're in the hot seat now. Andy anchors you with 150 billion. Where are you going? So, w- w- what's the question? The total revenue for McDonald's globally? Global revenue. Yep. Okay, so total revenue for McDonald's. Um, <laughs> global. <laughs> I don't know if you're the word global. So, but we're including it all. I so, think I was so all. universal. So total, is it a, a total is a, a synonym for. It could be all of them in the universe, couldn't it? We could have went universal income and the parallel universes. If you take all of them that are on Jupiter and Saturn and the United States and add them to the, the, the earth, um, global revenue. Uh, I don't think it's 150. Andy said 150 billion. Seems very high. Uh, I'm going to say uh, 67 and a half. Billion. He goes billions. All right. So you, you said got, revenue, not profit, right? Yeah. Revenue. Correct. Yes. All right, Paula, we got a couple billionaires in front of you. So if my memory serves me correctly. How often has that worked, by the way? 
<laughs> Rarely. We've been doing this for years. <laughs> um, Elon Musk, I believe, offered to buy Twitter for $48 billion. And so I'm using that as an anchor point. Uh, I, I think there's more hamburgers than there are Twitters. <laughs> yeah, my, my anchor point is still, I, I can't imagine annual global revenue would exceed the total value of Twitter. And so I'll go with 67 billion. 67 billion. Get OG's kneecaps. What did OG say? 67.5. At the last second, he threw the (laughs) 0.5 in there. Again. Again, what? This happened like, you know, a freaking week ago. Paula is quickly becoming the person who's not getting a Christmas card. <laughs> I've never received a Christmas card from you. Oh, case in point. So what, what I think I hear OG saying is that he doesn't like it when Paula Chelsea Brennan's him. So I would think that the way the best defense against that OG is to not suck so much and don't be in the don't be. In wow. Place. Holy be, cow. Be in the lead. Be able to set the anchor. That's point. right. Get ahead of Len. He knows that phrase. He loves that phrase. Don't suck. I feel like when I feel like last year when OG was in the driver's seat most of the time, that 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 first position seems to be a yeah. I don't I don't recall that. Well, uh, you know what else I do recall? It's that we'd love to tell you the answer, but we don't play that way. We're going to be right back. I'd like to thank uh, Navy Federal Credit Union for sponsoring today's show. If you are a service member, if you are a former service member. If you are a family member of a service member, either mom or dad or grandma and grandpa or your kids are service members, you are eligible for Navy Federal Credit Union. And trust me, you want to use Navy Federal as much as possible. Easy to use, easy to access, super awesome, helpful people if you need anything. We did a mortgage refinance and within 15 days had everything completely done. Wow. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. NavyFederal.org. So I'm like your buddy, right? I can go get a, because I know you, you were a pirate slash marine. Can I, can I go get a account there? Sadly, no. What, but can I just put you as a reference on my application? Nobody puts me as a reference. (laughs) It would be a bad idea. It's a stretch, but I want in. Join the Marines. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country And I also think about some of our active service members want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 
All right, Andy, you kicked it off for Team Marriage, Kids, and Money and uh, LenPenzo.com at $150 billion. OG and Paula came in significantly lower, like over 50% lower. <laughs> How are you feeling about the 150? If it's high like that, you got it. I, I think that I'm I'm feeling fine with it now. Feeling yes, good. I feel fine after after their after their responses. Oh, yeah. gee, you do have sixty seven to about what uh, hundred and five ish, maybe hundred and ten. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And Paula, you got See the whole downside. Out. Yeah, Paula used the Twitter index to figure out her. I've 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 never heard that way of company valuation or revenue <laughs> valuation. So hamburgers versus Twitter. You know, I feel good. I've got the whole downside. So <laughs> I, there's a, a wide array of annual revenues that it could be. I feel I like you would, I think you should get a penalty if your if your answer is correct, but your logic is incorrect. <laughs> you know, like, I think you get bonus points. Like you hit a like you hit a you hit a you know, you hit a golf ball off the cart path and, you know, a rock and the sprinkler head and it goes in the hole. We, we, we call that Joe's best shot. Yeah. I, I want a closest to the pin contest doing that. Yeah. <laughs> See, doesn't it feel dirty though? Does it feel slimy? It does. And to, and to, to make me feel dirtier, my prize was a woman's driver for yes. closest to the pin. Yes. There We're it like, was. We can't give you a real prize for this here. Take this. We can't. You're taking that. Well, Mrs. Doug got a got a nice driver then. All right, yeah. uh, you guys ready, uh, Doug? Who's our winner going to be? Hey there, stackers! I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Ronald McDonald's is living large. McDonald's spends more than one and a half billion dollars on advertising, but have a net income of almost five billion, much like this podcast. So, how much is their annual revenue? billion, and that means Paula is our winner. Wait, is it Chelsea? (laughs) How about the Paula Pant two weeks in a row? The Twitter index totally worked out. (laughs) I love it. So, but it is sad when it's $19 billion. Andy anchored you guys so high that 67 billion wins. On a nineteen billion dollar prize, I think they got a long way to go for me. I guess <laughs> I think they do. Got to get, got to get eating some hamburgers. It's like, guys, you got to get busy, Doug. So next week, Joe, we're going to have a bit of a conundrum because Paula and OG are going to be tied. It's whoever and we, have to de- who, we have to decide who actually goes second or third, and maybe this is where we, we invoke the bad logic rule. Maybe it is bad logic, but it's whoever got there last is still the tiebreaker and gets it. Apollo will continue to go last Excellent. until she uh, boomerangs Excellent. up into second for, for maybe a week or two. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, uh, I don't know what's going on with Paula Pant. What have you been? Have you been eating your Wheaties lately? Like what's going on? Exactly. Wikipedia. <laughs> That's right. Eating your Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. She's like, well, I've just been using the Google. It's all. Yeah. Eating the, the stuffing and the croutons. <laughs> there it is. Only one Green here food. that likes croutons. That, maybe that's it. <laughs> all right. Here we go. It's 
second half of the shindig is brought to you by Magnify Money. Mr. Andy Hill, you know what happens when you go to stackybedjamins.com slash magnify money? You are able to save a boatload of money. It's amazing because over 92% of the products available online all ranked head to head at Magnify Money. Turns out that those brick and mortar bank products like checking accounts, savings accounts might not be as good as the ones online. Head to stackingbenjamins.com slash magnify money to find your best in class product. And today we're going to talk about best in class ways to make more money online. Uh, this is inspired by a piece by our good friend Jim Wang over at Apex Money. He and J.D. Roth curate a lot of uh, good pieces there. And this is kind of a triumvirate. He's got 17 ways to rent out your stuff for extra money. You can actually rent out your stuff and make more more money. Nine legit ways to make money with your bike. And then America's most notorious jewels thief who breaks down the perfect getaway car talking about uh, how, how you get the, you get the correct car. Things go better, but there are some incorrect ways I think to make money on the side, some bad ways. And uh, Paula, you and I, as we were going around the country, we were talking about just how for these Uber and Lyft drivers out there, you can make money, but man, it seems like increasingly the sharing economy is not sharing a lot with the people that are doing the actual heavy lifting. Well, in a lot of gig economy jobs, there are low barriers to entry. And the benefit is that you can very quickly, if you if you need quick cash, you can sign up and very quickly start making money. But because there are low barriers to entry, there's a lot of downward pressure on prices. And so uh, any, any gig economy type of job um, is not going to pay as well as you could otherwise get paid if you were to alternatively take on some type of a side hustle that has a higher barrier to entry, more of an on-ramp. So there might be more initial time where you're not getting paid because you're building, you're scaling, you're developing a product or service. But once you get past that initial on-ramp, the uh, your competitive advantage is stronger. So like charming yet hilarious podcast host would be exactly. one of the high exactly. barrier to entry. Okay, good. But podcast in general, A&D and Paul, oh my God. we, we should have rethought that. Longest very, running side hustle ever. Yeah, very low barrier to entry. <laughs> hmm. Can't figure out why we can't make any money, OG. What the hell's going on? Like, wow. Uh, uh, but OG, to, to Paula's point there, I, don't you think this is the issue with multi-level marketing is that low barrier to entry? I mean, it's not that the products necessarily are good or bad. It's that anybody can sell them. And so because of that, it's very difficult to make a living. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, with something like that, it's not as easy as people think. And, and I mean, from a selling standpoint, it's come make $5,000 a month in your spare time. It's like, okay, just the logic behind that should kind of have everybody's spidey sense tingling just a little bit, right? If, if, if it were so easy to do, then everybody would be doing it. So it must, there must be some barrier that, that we're not considering, whether it's I got to maintain product or I've got to be a really good salesperson or you know something like that, that, that makes it a little bit more difficult than make 5,000 in your sleep or whatever the claim is, you know? So the side hustles, if we're not going that way, Andy, assuming that you agree, uh, where do people start when they're looking at side incomes? What should you really focus on? 
Well, I, I try to think back of, of some of the folks that I've had a chance to talk to or even some of the things that I've done. I, I think your point on the low barrier entry ones are very low paying. And so if you're able to utilize maybe some skills you already have from your work life or anything like that to utilize those skills to help you get closer to that $30 an hour range or higher. So it's actually worth your time. That might not be a bad place, but you want to make sure it doesn't conflict with your current full-time job and having some sort of competition. So that's why I like our first segment where we're talking about the quickest and easiest way for you to make that extra money is where you're already getting the money. Um, But yeah, if you have some skills that are translatable to another side hustle in your uh, field of interest or your your passion area. I think that's always a great place to start. It's like graphic designer, but doing graphic design in a whole different part of the market. Right. Talking about that, not exactly. uh, not showing Bank of America. <laughs> Going to work for Wells Fargo on making... Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't work well. <laughs> to pick the two best banks, Wells Fargo <laughs> and Bank of America. Get them all there together. Uh, uh, Paula, somebody starts thinking about making money on the side. What's the first thing you think about? So the first thing I would consider is, do you want a product-based business or a service-based business? The advantage to a service-based business is that often there's a low uh, cost of capital because you can, you're essentially selling your time. The disadvantage is that it's not scalable. Ultimately, the only way to make it scalable would be to start an agency and have people who are performing those same services under you, but then quality control gets a lot harder. By contrast, if you develop a product-based side business, regardless of whether it's a digital product or a physical product, I mean, digital products have a slightly lower cost of capital, but there's still so much, you know, more than you would expect in terms of not just software, but marketing costs, outreach, you know, both of those have higher hurdles and higher capital costs, but ultimately they're more scalable. So that's the first thing I would... uh, think about is which one of those two do you want to go into? But it seems like you're, what you're implying too, Paul, is that there's some math that you also need to employ with those startup costs. I mean, not a ton because the, you know, I, I wouldn't tell somebody to bust out a spreadsheet before they really know what the numbers are. Cause that can just be garbage in garbage out. But I would say, you know, think about how, how long, of an on-ramp you're willing to tolerate? How long could you spend not making money or even, you know, investing money and not seeing a return? Um, So what's the duration of time that you're willing to tolerate? What's the total amount of money that you're willing to put into this? What is, um, you know, how quickly do you want to start seeing cash flow, you know, a, a positive cash flow? And are you willing to trade off higher cash flow in the future for quicker cash flow now? So I would start there. And and plus, you can always pivot. You could start with a service-based business and use that to float you for a little while while you pivot to product, for example. Mm. Yeah, uh, like Amazon. Well, I guess this is one product into other products, but Amazon starting off as a bookstore, which I think a lot of people even forget now that people just used to get only books from Amazon, but then pivoting to other products and other services, other exactly. things that you can do. Uh, uh, OG, we hear a lot about your passion and about doing things that you're passionate about. How much do you think about when somebody starts a second job or a side hustle doing what you're passionate about versus chasing an opportunity where there's an opening in the market? It's such a challenging question to answer because sometimes the things that we want to do, we haven't figured out ways to earn a living doing it yet. You know, there's, there's some activities that I do in my free time 
that I really like and I like almost as much as everything else I do. It's just not just not it's set up in a way to provide a lifetime sustaining income from it. Some extra money, sure, you know, which is nice. But I, so I'm not sure about the whole do your passion and you know, everything will fall into place and that sort of thing. If you have an opportunity to work, if you have an opportunity to make money, there's nothing wrong with doing that. And then having done well in that field or whatever that is, now turn your focus to the thing that you really care about because you've reached some level of independence financially or otherwise that uh, allows for that flexibility later. Um, I think there's too many people that are going to get stuck doing the follow your passion thing in in the earlier times, earlier parts of their life. And then on the back end be like, crap, I got to figure out how to actually make some money now to, you know, be able to sustain myself later in life. So it's a weird combo. Andy, you're nodding your head. Yeah. I think, I think I'm thinking about what, what Paula and OG both said. I think it all comes down to what's the purpose of the side hustle. What are we doing this for a period of time so that we can hit said financial goal? Or is this a, is this a lifetime of service? And if it is, Hey, I'm going to make a business out of this. I would, I would use Paula's thinking. That's, that's, that's a great way to think. Am I doing this as a product? Am I doing this as a service? How long am I going to do this? What is the growth period for it? But to your point, OG, if it's something that I'm passionate about that I do in my spare time and I want to make a little bit of money because it makes me feel good, then I don't know. I think I don't think there's anything wrong to that. I, I believe both you and I both have a side hustle where we're passionate about it and we make a little bit of money. It makes us feel good. It doesn't make us rich or it doesn't make us you know, all that we ever needed to be, but it does make us happy and it's nice to get paid for it. But is there is is there a difference there, Paula, chasing with the market space versus your passion? There is. I mean, I think, you know, there's there's that Venn diagram intersection of what are you passionate about and or interested in? What uh, are you good at? You know, what are you skilled at providing that is unique, ideally that is unique to you or that is rare or scarce? And also the third Venn diagram circle would be what are people willing to pay for? And it's where those circles intersect that you have your best market opportunity, as well as an opportunity that you are likely to sus- want to sustain over the long term. I just, I met a guy that uh, made stop signs for a living and was a multi bajillionaire. And he told me that he got more passionate about it as the cash came in. You know, what <laughs> that I mean? helps. Like, That's as, right. as, as he made more and more stop signs, he was like, yeah, that, that eight sided thing is just pretty damn amazing. This is a great thing to do. So, speaking of that, I'm wondering if, if we should be thinking more creative about ways to make money, because one of these spots that Jim Wang looks at for making money is renting your stuff. So he talks about if you have an RV, renting your RV to other people or sharing your RV with other people. Companies like Turo, where we're not, you're not using your car, you can rent your car to somebody else. Uh, uh, places you can use a thing called uh, curb flip, where you rent out your garage where somebody else can keep their stuff in your garage or as simple as Airbnb or VRBO. I know that at the Hill house, uh, I came here because the VRBO price was really inexpensive. <laughs> there, 
was this great side room, um, which is an awesome space, uh, AKA Andy's office that we're sitting in. But, uh, but should we be thinking more creatively, Andy, about these things that we could be making money on that we have laying around the house or spare room that we have? I think it's fantastic. I, I have two family members that I could think of specifically. One, one is specifically into Airbnb and is using this as a transition point for after she retires from teaching to be her side income or her whatever we want to call it enough income for her to enjoy plus her pension so that she can ease into retirement my uncle also does the same thing he has a pension in retirement but wants a little bit of side money so he rents out his boat lot and he rents out oh, his wow. garage so yeah. these spare areas are providing supplemental income in retirement to make it a lot easier so call it a side hustle or whatever you want just extra income but wait a minute why don't you airbnb this room we're sitting in right now uh, I just that that comes with a collaboration with my spouse to make sure we'd actually even want to do something like that, and I don't think she does at this yeah. point. We got two little kids at home, and uh, just doesn't want we just, we just like wandering author strangers that come into town that need a place to stay, and uh, that you are you are you are fitting that bill. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> he's like you're going to pay for it by the time you by the time you leave, Paul. Paula, any any ways we should should be thinking more creative about side income. Sure. So I think that with all of these examples, with renting out a spare bedroom or an RV or your car, like these, these are all examples fundamentally of monetizing non-performing assets that you own. So if you think about it, like if you zoom out at a conceptual level, you can monetize your time, which is what labor is. Uh, you can monetize your capital. Like when you invest money in, in index funds, for example, your money makes money. And uh, this conversation that we're having right now about monetizing your car when you're, you know, renting out your car when you're not using it, renting out your RV uh, when you're not using it, renting out your spare bedroom. These are all ways that you take other non-performing assets that you own and you monetize that. And so I think that, um, in, I mean, conceptually, I think that's great because it's any, any time that you can move away from just monetizing your time and you can start monetizing other assets, that's, I think, the right direction to be moving in. The trade-off, though, is that there is a time cost and a cognitive load associated with managing all of it. Mm. And so I think the thing to be really careful about uh, and to probably track and experiment is, hey, how much time is this taking? How much attention and cognitive load is this taking? And, you know, if you document that, is it worth it? You know, try it for two weeks and, and is that worth it? Is that why you, you were talking earlier, Andy, about making more money at your job? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, it, what what is the point in the end? Are, are we trying to make a, make money for a period of time? And if this ends up being another job that you're setting yourself up to, am I am I enjoying this? When I have one job versus two. Exactly, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, OG, uh, uh, when it comes to setting up these side businesses, any any words of warning? No, I mean, I, I love the idea that, that you take some extra time that normally would be reserved for you know, sitting on the couch and watching TV or something, maybe even maybe a smidge more productive, like reading a book or something and turn it into a way to earn extra money. Because um, especially when we're talking about something like inflation, which is, you know, the kind of eroding of your purchasing power, you can affect that immediately. And if you're looking at your financial life, like a profit and loss statement for a business, right? So Maybe, maybe you used to have some profit at the end of the month, i.e. savings, but now because of inflation, that number has shrunk a little bit. So you used to have $500 a month and now you have $100 a month. Well, if you go out and you figure out something to do, uh, some side hustle of business, just something that earns some cash, 
and you can add $300 a month or $500 a month, your profit went from 100 to 600. That's a huge increase, you know, because all of that extra money basically flows to your personal bottom line, if that makes sense. So sometimes we get caught up and we look at the number and we say, well, you know, I don't know, I can't really do any, you know, do something, make 200 bucks or 300 bucks a uh, month. That doesn't seem worth it. It's like, yeah, that's worth it because it's all cash. It's all going to the bottom line, so to speak, if you're thinking of yourself like a business. So it's a great time of the year for it. I mean, it's starting to become spring. Maybe not where, maybe not where you guys are right now. Michigan Allegedly, it's uh, spring. But <laughs> fences need staining, lawns need mowing, all sorts of stuff. Maybe in a uh, month. To get you outside and a little bit extra cash will, will go a long way. So I think it's words of warning. I, I just uh, a lot of high fives and cheering. Jump in the water's warm. Yeah. I love the idea of starting off with what your end goal is. Like Andy said earlier, I love the idea of asking for raises at your main job and focusing on building this argument about what you've done for the company that justifies a raise. And I love the idea of of thinking about non-performing assets. I love that phrase, Paula, non-performing. What do I have that's not performing in my life? So I think I got to run out my cat because that Cooper is not, is not is causing trouble. Totally not pulling his weight. <laughs> that dude, not making any money, eating a bunch. All right. That's going to do it for today. We'll let our guest of honor here sitting across from me go last. But uh, Mr. OG, you're not going to be playing outside in the snow like we are later. What do you got going on this weekend? Oh, uh, a lot of after school activity going on in the month of May. Um, golly, my kids are what, six days away from being done with the end of That's school. Crazy. Um, That's crazy. That is, yeah. um, I, I feel like we were just in the holiday season. Yep. And now, yeah, of course, it half of the looks year like the holiday season. So, so much faster for school. And uh, it's because it's these bite sized chunks. You know, you go like a couple weeks and you got, you know, winter break, a couple weeks, spring break, a couple weeks, Easter. Did we get this weeks. many breaks when we were kids? God, no. Like we, we went to school from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. Every day. Dark to dark. No recess. Uphills. Eight, eight miles uphill. <laughs> with with nothing but rulers across your, your knuckles. knuckles for conjugating the Latin verbs incorrectly. <laughs> I mean, my it was, goodness. It was. The kids these days. Yeah. They, have it, they have it so lucky. They have it so great. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, we're just kind of in the, in the final push for. Trying to, you know, like I tell my kids, just keep your, you know what, together for the next week and a half, and then you can do whatever you want. So, your kids uh, ever come really home? Good- when you say that, do your kids ever come home? When you you tell them to hold it together for the next six days, they like we coming in hot, Dad. We're coming yeah. in hot. Yeah, I can barely, I can barely hang in. <laughs> I can barely hang in there. Uh, so we're starting to think about uh, what we're going to do this summer. So, uh, so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of loose ends to wrap up here at the end of the school year for us. Paula Payette, what's going on to afford anything? On the Afford Anything podcast, Bill Bengen, the guy who came up with the 4% withdrawal rule, is on the podcast. So tune in if you want to hear about the 4% retirement withdrawal rule from the dude who created it. It's a banging good show. Uh, no? <laughs> Come sure. On. Maybe if I hit the rim shot a couple more times, it will be. Yeah, maybe the volume wasn't loud enough. No, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Do we gotta turn that up? Come on, people. Where? There we go. Now we're no. All right, fine, Paula. Wherever finer podcast are <laughs> yeah. found. Yeah, we just had a bunch of unsubscribes. Hey, uh, 
But, but not before. Don't go before you hear about Andy Hill, because that's a good podcast over there at Marriage, Kids, and Money. What do you got going on? Yeah, Marriage, Kids, and Money's going great. Uh, we've got a great guest coming up, Bobby Rebel. She just came out with a, a great book called Launching Financial Grownups. We're going to be featuring her and, and talking about, you know, when your kids get to that older range in the teens, like how do you help them get over the le- edge to become adults and then so they don't boomerang back home. So it's going to be a fun conversation. So check that out. You and I were talking at lunch today about your fun conversation that I watched. This is a while ago now, but with the Holderness family, the popular YouTubers. Absolutely. Yeah, they're a great couple. So yeah, we have a lot of great couples on the show talking about all sorts of things, not only the financial things that go along with marriage, but how to, you know, keep that connection, how to grow it and how to have just a great, happy home together. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. And Andy's learning very quickly that the key to a happy home is not having Joe as your house guest. <laughs> it's to bring random strangers into your home and tell your wife about it 24 hours before. Much, much, much better, right? <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for today. Uh, Doug, man, you're going to finish this thing off for us. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, to beat inflation, think income. How will you make more money? Second, Never go somewhere with bacon and beef sandwiches as an option, thinking you're going to eat a pile of lettuce instead. You're not that strong. But the big lesson, if someone can make a holiday out of fried cubes of bread, you too can make your dreams come true. One day, you too could be the announcer of a financial podcast. (laughs) Wait, have you even heard your own voice? You're not that good. Dream a little smaller. Thanks to Andy Hill for joining us today. You'll find Andy's podcast, Marriage, Kids, and Money, wherever finer podcasts are found. Thanks to Paula Pant for joining us. You'll find her podcast, Afford Anything, where you're listening to us right now. Thanks also to OG for joining us. Looking for good financial planning help? Head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG to see his calendar. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is written in part by Paulette Perhatch, who helps thought leaders add power to their written words with storytelling, style, and humor. Need help with a blog, book, or speech? Pass it off to Paulette at thatwriterpaulette.com. Thanks also to our team who made today possible. Karen Repine is our producer. Tina Eichenberg and Gertrude Smith are our social media mavens. And Brooke Miller handles the show notes and our amazing newsletter, The 201. Not only should you not take advice from these numbskulls, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. That's it for today, folks. We'll see you back here on Monday on Stacking Benjamins.
Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. If you're new here, what happens in the after show stays in the after show. We don't talk about it. If you do want to talk about it, you just can't help yourself. Uh, we've made an exception a long time ago. Not sure why we did it. We just should have banned people from the community. No, you can't talk about it, but uh, you can call it dessert. Uh, we, we were talking about good ways to make money. I found a piece here. This is at makechange.aspiration.com. I've noticed, Doug, by the way, that if a, if a URL has two dots in it, it's, it's worth a lot more than ones that have one. I don't know if I think you, those are commas. If you, if you have <laughs> seven dots in your URL, if it's at make.change.ask.per.ation.com. Uh, these are 12 weird, ridiculous, creeping, gross ways to make money. And I thought we'd get your feelings about some of these. Uh, the, the first one, we've talked about the first one here before, snuggle. And Doug, you were, I remember we did an episode, didn't we, where you were thinking about being a professional snuggler? We did. It's working out great for me. I think I made like 75 cents on that. That's just pure cash profit. But that, right I, there. I really People want pay Doug not to snuggle with them. <laughs> I'm throwing 75 cents your way. Please don't. I don't know that didn't happen. It's going to be difficult to scale, though. Did, did you hear what Paul Paula said earlier? To, to the scale, the snuggling. You can't. Well, you 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 could go two, maybe. But two. I'm a pretty big two guy. I can handle arms. two at once. <laughs> one, one, one on either There's side. A lot of me to love. <laughs> can you go three? Is somebody snuggling on top of you too? Could you imagine? Could you imagine snuggling with OG for eighty bucks an hour? Like hugging a cactus. OG. No. <laughs> quite enjoyable (laughs) (laughs) this next one's gross on the list this is not my list this is their list cnm wrote about an mit research assistant who made a thousand dollars a month selling poop (laughs) to labs to use in fecal transplant who's getting their fecal matter transplanted well that's a thing Actually, no, that is a real thing. Apparently it is. It, it says no, but and it's getting some it I'll saves say lives. I've heard good because, things about it actually. Yeah. Yeah, there are people who have um, a kind of an imbalance in their guts with the you know, the various bacteria you need for good digestive health. Wow. So once they get samples that they deem to have the right balance of whatever you need for certain makeups of you know, in different nationalities, because everybody has different chemical structures. It's it's weird, but it, you know, as comical as it sounds, it's a real thing. I have fourteen thousand people a year die, Doug. This piece says, giving away their poop. No, selling their poop. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> It's like, a, never mind. That's a dangerous what job. What is the process? Now I want to know. <laughs> no, you're saving 14,000 p- people a year f- who die. 250,000 people a year get sick with this uh, Clostridium difficile or C. diff. C. diff, they call it. Oh. 14,000 people die of that, and, and, and you can help them. But it, by the way, only 3% of people have the perfect poop required. I was going to say... Doug's like, hmm, interesting. That, that Jokes on them. The like, Sir, please challenge. stop sending this. Rare. <laughs> What's that, Paula? It's the Venn diagram of what you have that's rare. That's right. right? <laughs> you have your unique attribute. Talk you about well passion. Monetize it. Only so we- this for the world. You're saving lives. We were talking Dude. a few weeks ago about eating jets. Are you still in there? I'm working on my side hustle. That's right. I'm working on <laughs> my passion project. <laughs> You're writing off magazines as business expenses, your cell phone bill. Get one of those little little squatty potty things. Those don't work. 
<laughs> Doug's tried them. Yeah. It's doesn't, doesn't, doesn't go. Doesn't. That's a scam. Number three on this list is to be a friend. I've, I've heard that one, but isn't that, isn't Why is that, that creepy? Why does that say it's the creepiest well, awareness? Th- this feels kind of like prostitution, doesn't oh, I guess, it? Yeah. If you're getting paid for it, being a friend. It's not know. that bad. <laughs> there are services where you can buy friends. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you rent a friend. Here's what it says. Want to learn to surf, but you don't want to pay for the lessons. You run a, wait a minute. Why? Why, why would you not pay for the lessons? <laughs> want to try a new restaurant, but you don't want to eat alone. Want to, um, you want a tour guide in a new city, rent a friend, 50 bucks an hour by just being somebody's friend. Yeah. That's yeah. That is, that is <laughs> creepy. about what uh, my cell phone bill is to talk to Doug every week. So that's it. <laughs> seems about right. Does that kind of ruin it? Get off a plan that limits your minutes. OG. Isn't there a definition of friendship that that just kind of kills when you hand over 50 bucks? Like, is that truly a friend? That's like the in-person version of that movie, Her, with uh, with Scarlett Johansson. That was such a good movie. It was. Yeah. I like that. It's a very good movie. <laughs> s- s- okay, another gross one. Selling your used underwear. What? Yes. <laughs> it can be a... first? It can, <laughs> Paul has already, already got the Googler out. <laughs> Could crank on that one says it doesn't even matter why you're throwing them out. Weird stain, too small holes in them. Those will likely sell for a premium. I, do, I don't want to know. What? <laughs> yes. There is a subreddit, r slash panty selling, where men and women tell their stories about selling and buying panties. And don't they also... News to you. See... <laughs> <laughs> It's the second oldest profession. <laughs> in Japan, in Japan, they had to shut it down. They had they have vending machines that sold them. They got shut down because the government got worried that men were wearing the panties, not women were wearing uh, 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 women's panties. And that was, it says, yeah, that was the reason. Ponder that. Like, I, don't, I, I agree. I don't understand why that. Okay. <laughs> Next is, uh, we've heard of this one before, being really good at crying. You can get hired to cry at somebody's funeral. Aww. That is sad. That is, is sad. That is sad. In two ways, yes. It can be uh, a professional. Like I, saw, I, saw, I saw somebody wrote on Instagram that they're going to, uh, they kind of wrote, wrote in their will, obviously it's a joke, but they wrote in their will that, uh, that they, you know, if they went, if, when they die, that they they are hiring like a whole bunch of Italian mobster looking folks to just sit in the back of the of the church, yeah. waiting impatiently, just just sitting there, like so everybody would be like, "Man, he was into some stuff. That guy was a badass. Holy cow! Stuff OG really was an OG. Guy. Yeah, Isn't that a great idea. I you know, I I own the URL strippers at my funeral dot com. <laughs> Stop it. Do you? True story. You truly do. I do. It's uh, making a lot of money? No, I haven't done anything with it yet, but I intend for it to be the title of my memoir. There you go. (laughs) And there it is. Let us know how you monetize that. I think that's the mic drop. (laughs) It's no mystery how she's going to monetize that, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) How do you monetize stripping? (laughs) If only everybody... I do it for free all the time, and yeah... Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, 
who is such a giving person, Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.